Welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial United Methodist Church. Each week we open the scriptures in faith that the timeless truth of God will guide us as we seek to follow in the steps of Jesus. As we go to our message today, let's open our hearts and minds to the truth that God would speak to us. So here now the word as it's found in Luke 18, beginning at verse 18, and we're going to read all the way through verse 30. And a certain ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have done from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, The things impossible with men are possible with God. And Peter said, Behold, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Permit me for a moment to appeal to the uh, older crowd, somewhat older crowd anyway. So young people, uh, please forgive me for using an analogy that you may not uh, grasp, but you'll be challenged. You can look this up on Netflix or something like that. Uh, Those of you who are probably 40 years older or, or older, may remember an old TV series about a detective named Columbo. Do you remember Columbo? The old kind of raincoat-clad detective who was usually working on a murder mystery and uh, you know, had that old car that he drove around. He was always searching in his coat pocket to find a match to light his cigarette. He had a very interesting way about him. When he was, you know, he'd go around and he'd question one person and question another, trying to get all the facts together. And he usually knew more than he let on. And so he might be questioning somebody that he thought might be suspicious. And he had just had a nonchalant way of doing it. He'd ask a question about this and about that. And the person was usually building up their confidence, thinking, oh, this cop doesn't know one thing from another. He'll never figure anything out. And, you know, and he'd finish the series of questioning. And then he'd kind of play like he was getting ready to leave. And he'd, He'd turn around and he'd act like he was going to leave and, and then he'd stop and he'd go, 
oh, just one more thing, just one more thing. And then he would ask that question that really put the hook in it, that really made that person realize that he knew much more than what he was letting on. See, I think Jesus pulled a Columbo moment with this rich young ruler. Now, I'm of the opinion that when we get to heaven, there are probably going to be people there to whom we're going to have to apologize for the hard time we have given them down here. Peter's line is going to be the longest. You know, we're all going to have to line up to the Apostle Peter and, and give our apologies because we've given him such a hard time down here. But it may be that this guy that we know only as the rich young ruler will also be there, and we're going to have to go up and to apologize to him because I, I've seen so many times and read in so many ways where, where we go, we, we treat this guy as if he's just, oh, he's just one of those religious guys that, you know, He's, he's miles and miles from God. He's not spiritual like we are, you know, and we just run him down the road. And I don't think we're really being fair to him. I, I read this text, and just call me crazy if you want to, but I want to give him the benefit of the doubt of being honest. You know, someone who truly was a, a God-loving person, truly was uh, asking in honesty, you know, what must I do? He's, he saw Jesus as a, a teacher of the law, someone to be respected. He's probably been around Jesus before, maybe along the crowds. You know, he's heard him uh, teach. He's heard other rabbis. So the question is legitimate, okay? Isn't I, what, what must I do? What, what do I need? About what should I be clear if I want to enter into God's kingdom? And I appreciate Jesus' response. It, it reinforces to us that Jesus held his scripture in very high regard. He says, you know the scripture, right? What does the scripture say? What do the commandments tell you? Honor your father, your mother, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't murder. He, goes, he just goes down the list of things that were quite familiar. And, and the guy says, well, you know, on, on all these things, I'm good. I've been... And again, I just I want to hear this in honesty. He's he's saying, I've I've done my best in in my conscience. I've been clearly you know trying to follow these things from from a very young age. And then Jesus says, Well, one more thing. And I think for generations of Bible readers, we have read this text. And we have said to ourselves in our minds, boy, I'm glad I wasn't standing in his sandals that day. When Jesus said, go and sell all you have, give the proceeds to the poor, and then come follow me. Maybe some of you have played this game that I've played for you know, probably several times along my years of growing up. I can remember it, you know, playing it as a youth in youth group and maybe sometime since. Uh, being an adult. There are some different versions of it, but basically what you do is everybody who's participating has to make a list. You know, maybe a half dozen, ten, twelve things that, that you find to be important things in your life, things that you wouldn't want to surrender, you know, things that you'd want to make sure you keep. And you might list your possessions, you might even get detailed about your possessions, your family, you know, your, your, your status, your place on the baseball team, 
you know, all the things that you find important in your life. Okay, and so then once everybody has their list built, then you go through a process of starting to eliminate them. You know, it might be, all right, cross, cross two things off of that list. And so you think, okay, you know, well, I'll cross this or I'll cross that. Or it might be that somebody else playing the game gets to get your list. And you can protect three of them, but they get to cross two off. And so you keep doing that time after time after time, and you watch that list start to get shorter until you get right down to the very end and you have to figure out what that one thing is from all of those other things that you would want to make sure you don't lose even sacrificing all the rest of them. Even knowing that it's a hypothetical scenario, you still get to appreciate knowing what those things are that you find more important than everything else. And that's really where Jesus was going with this man. What he knew in his heart, what that one thing was that would keep him from full allegiance to God, from fully being able to follow Jesus wherever he leads. We have to remember that Jesus was in the kingdom-building business. He wanted to lead people into the kingdom. We, we talk all the time about what it means to follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. Well, the path of following Jesus is a path that leads into the kingdom. Part of leading into the kingdom is getting rid of the things that keep you from getting there. That's why the writer of Hebrews begins his 12th chapter in that great book by saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that also so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is before us, setting our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I appreciate the author there saying, let us lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, as well as the sin that so easily entangles us. He's aware that the things that keep us from the kingdom aren't just the things that we consider to be sins. We, we do need to lay those things aside. But it's also those things that would weigh us down, the, the material things, the things of this life, the things of this world, that we seem to find so important that we would let them stand in the way of just being head over heels after Jesus. And there was a man so long ago who stood in front of Jesus, and Jesus says one more thing because he knew what that one thing was that the man would have the hardest time releasing in order to follow Jesus. And Jesus understood if he could get him to let go of that one thing, then there would be nothing else to stand in his way. Come back and follow me. We're going to the kingdom. For those of you who are reading the uh, Listen to Him devotional and walking through the season of Lent with that, you probably already read today's devotional, which about, was about this text. And I would have to say to you that, once again, I think J.D. Walt just really did a bang-up job of, of writing a devotional about this. He, he, he puts us to something that, something that really has gone through my mind time and again reconciling some of the things that Jesus says to some of the other things that we 
proclaim about our Christian faith. And he frames it like this. Picture, if you would, what kind of response this man, this rich young ruler, would get if, let's say, that he was here today. Let's say at the end of the worship service, at, at, the, at the time of invitation, that he walks down the aisle, the preacher's standing here, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? You pretty much know the answer that we're going to give him, don't you? It would go something like this. You know, uh, confess before God that you're a sinner. Uh, believe on Jesus Christ, that he's the unique son of God, that he is risen from the dead, that uh, you know, proclaim, him as, uh, proclaim his lordship over your life and submit your life to him. That's what the response would be. You know, it would be something like that. And, and that's fine. There, there's nothing wrong with that. that it, I mean, we don't wrench that from the Scripture and verse, but that's held up in the New Testament. But how far is that from what Jesus said to him? Go sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor and then come back and follow me. Can you reconcile those things? Well, the short answer is yes. But it's not easy. And maybe we shouldn't let it be easy. Maybe we should abide for a few moments, realizing that there's a real paradox in what we proclaim in the Christian faith. You mean to tell me that the gift of Christ is a gift that I can't pay for because I could never afford it? And so the only way to receive it is to receive it freely as a gift? Yeah. But it's also something that costs me everything that I have. Yep. It doesn't seem like you can fit those two things together, does it? But that's the, that's the, that's the powerful tension that we find in the gospel. This sacrifice of Christ that brings us into the kingdom, something that costs us nothing, and yet costs us everything. And yes, as strange as that might sound, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, making him Lord and being his disciple. The man turns away, he goes away, and Jesus turns back to his disciples, and he says, how hard it must be, how hard it is, for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The man went away sad. That's what the text tells us. I'd like to think that there was sadness with Jesus as well. I think Jesus' heart was heavy when he saw the man walk away. How hard it is to get people to release those things that are so important to them that they might follow me into the kingdom. How hard it is. Now, I will, I will say at this point that there are two different lenses, 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 however you want to pronounce it, through which we can read this text. There's a close-up lens and there's a broad lens, okay? This text is about money. I won't deny that, okay? Jesus talks about money. The gospel talks about money. The New Testament talks about money, how difficult it is. It's one of the things right at the top of the things that we 
we hold so closely, we have the hardest time releasing it so that we can truly follow him. Yes, it's a text about money. But if we only see it as a text about money, then there's the possibility that this text becomes unidentifiable to us. Because there are people, you may not believe it, but I've met them myself, there are people for whom money isn't the issue. I, I could name two of them in my life right off the bat. Pe people who, one young lady who had, as a young adult literally did sell everything she had in order to give her life to a missionary organization and go overseas. She sold all she had to follow Christ. I can remember an older gentleman in a town I used to live in. He, he, he couldn't keep money in his pocket because he gave it away. He was one of those few unique individuals in, to which you'd say, John, take care of yourself. Quit get, you, you don't have that much money anyway. Quit giving it to people you think need, more, need it more than you do. He, he wouldn't have money to buy the prescription medicine that he needed. You had, you know, come on, let's go get your drug, you know, let's go to the pharmacy, get your medicine. He was so generous that he lived like a pauper. If he had money, he'd give it to somebody else he thought needed. Money wasn't the issue for him. And you know, there are other people who are like that. And so we had to be willing maybe to take what Jesus is doing here with a little bit more of a broad lens to say that what he really wants to do for everybody is to do that Columbo thing, to say, what's that one thing? Maybe it isn't money. Maybe it's something else. What is that one thing that would keep you from following me into the kingdom? And getting rid of those one, get, getting past those things isn't an easy thing. I, I appreciate something else that uh, J.D. Walt did in the devotional for the day. It planted the seed in my mind. The picture I got, if you've ever watched a, a rocket launch, you know, NASA, you know, those of us who are old enough to remember the Apollo missions and this big Saturn V rockets, there's this thing called escape velocity, Okay. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist. I didn't sleep in a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I'm not prof uh, you know, professing expertise in this. But that concept of escape velocity means that it, it's that velocity needed to fully escape the gravitational pull of a body. And we could, in, in our minds, we could picture those rockets lifting off from the launch pad. Trust me, when that rocket has lifted off from the launch pad, it's not on the ground any longer, but it's not out of the gravitational pull. And I think that is a fair analogy for what we experience sometime in the Christian faith. We come to Christ, we say, Lord, I want to shed everything that holds me back. I want to get rid of the sin that entangles me so easily. I want to get rid of it all. And Jesus says, great, you're, you're off the ground but you're not out of the gravitational pull yet. And so there's those strategies. You know, rockets, they, they don't just, you know, for the most part, they don't just lift off and go straight out into space. They use those strategies of, you know, entering into orbit and tangential orbits and all that stuff in, in order to find that release escape velocity. And, and discipleship is something like that. That's why 
we commit day after day saying, Lord, I, I know I'm not there yet, but I want to get there. And if I just keep following you and following you and following you, maybe I'll gain enough velocity that I'll get to that point where that thing has no more hold on me. The Apostle Paul, I think, is a great example of that. Let me uh, share with you another scripture, and I will confess to you that this is not, uh, it's not a perfect uh, match, it's not apples to apples necessarily, but I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 3, those of you who have your home. See, I picture you all at home and your coffee table, some of you are still in your pajamas, I know it. But you probably have your orange juice or your coffee in front of you, and the Bible's better still be laying there open. So turn to Philippians 3, and I want to read to you. Uh, the Apostle Paul reflects upon his own life, and uh, he kind of looks what he, what he was compared to what he is aspiring to be. Uh, now, Paul here is talking about what the things by which he might boast before God, his association with Judaism, uh, his, his righteousness according to the law. So, so you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not suggesting this is exactly what Jesus was talking about with this rich young ruler, but, but, but they're parallel paths, and you're going to see where they come together. Uh, let me begin reading in verse 4 of Philippians chapter 3. Uh, Paul says, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else had a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, see, this is where you can feel those, those paths starting to converge. Whatever of those things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He goes on. I, want to, I, I could end there, but I want to press on because there, I want to get a little bit further. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count that but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Is that not powerful? He's saying that, that gaining Christ and Christ alone is so important. I will consider all of those things that were so important to me, that made me who I am, those things I stood upon, that they're nothing more than garbage. garbage. And I have to think about them in that way so that I am wholly given to Jesus Christ. Now, let me, I still want to press on a little bit. Uh, he says in verse 9, And I may be found in him, having not a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12, Not that I have already obtained it. This is where I wanted to get not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And this is where Paul in his journey, 
kind of converges on the path of where Jesus was challenging this rich young ruler. Jesus says to that rich young ruler, if you want to be complete, if you want to be perfect, if you want to really get to that place where nothing stands in your way, here's the one thing that you have to address. And Paul is talking about the same way for about himself. I haven't obtained it yet, but I'm moving there. I'm pressing on because I want to get to that ground where I stand and nothing encumbers me. I want to get to that ground where I stand and it's Christ and Christ alone and no weight holds me back. He wants to get there. And I feel like that's where so many of us want to press. But if we're going to get there, we have to have enough honesty to ask the question of ourselves. The same question that Jesus was raising but with this man so long ago. What's that one thing? What is that one thing in your life that holds you back? And it could be a lot of different things. It may not even be material things. It might not be money itself. It might be the, the estate that we've built for ourselves. It might be our pride that we don't want to lay aside. The pride that keeps us from being humble and reconciling ourselves with other people who are walking the same path that we are. It might be our aspirations in life. Young people, what is it for you? That place on, on your sports team... You know, it, it, the, all of us can ask the question. And if we're honest enough with each other, we'll know the answer. Now, the good thing about this is there's great reward. Okay? After all of this was over, Peter speaks up. Peter, I'm so sorry. Man, so often you were on target. Okay? You get credit. Peter says, look. We've left everything. Left our homes. I left my fishing business in order to follow you. And think about what Jesus says. Jesus does not say, well, you poor thing. I guess there's just not going to be much for you, is there? He says, look, I'll tell you. He said, truly I say to you, no one who has left homes and in parentheses, you could add businesses, uh, family, mothers, daughters, sons, husbands, wives, possessions. No one who has left any of these things in order to follow me for the sake of the kingdom will not receive many times over. And then he goes down the list. In this life, and as well, in the age to come, eternal life. In short, Jesus says, you have not released anything that will not be replaced exponentially with the blessings I have for you. You can't get a better deal than what Jesus offers. And it's so hard for us when we find those things where, where, where Jesus says, it's keeping you. It's keeping you from following me. Jesus says, there's so much more waiting on you. I will tell you with complete honesty. It, it's these things, when I, when I read these kinds of things in the Bible where Jesus says, no one has left anything in this life that you haven't gotten so much more back. The blessings and the joy of the kingdom. I can tell you I'm one of the richest people you'll ever meet. And I know that. Don't look at my bank account, 
Okay, that's not going to tell the story. But my wealth comes in different ways. Now, I'm not hard. I, you know, don't, I'm not rubbing pennies together to buy a loaf of bread. It's not that. But I look at what God has put in my life. Family that is many times bigger than just the blood relatives that I had. The joys and the blessings of being able to serve Him, to minister, to be in community. I could be all day talking about the blessings that I've received from just being willing to follow Jesus Christ. And I'm like Paul. I'm not there yet. I still, I'm still working on that escape velocity with some of those things that want to hold me back. But I want to go. And I think you do too. So my question is, what's the one thing for you? What is the one thing today that Jesus says, let go of it? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that your grace is so sufficient for us. God, even in our striving and even when we know that we really haven't let go of everything, that you keep drawing us near. And I thank you, God, for the example of that young man who uh, was, he, we don't even know his name, but he had the honesty to ask. And God, I'd like to think that maybe he came to the point of being able to say, okay, I'll let go of it. We want to be there too. So show us today, Father, whatever it is that keeps us from being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Give us the courage to release that to you. And then fill us with the joy and the freedom of living in your spirit that we might be able to share that blessing with others that we know. Accomplish it, and we'll give you the glory in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. We are glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can watch our worship services online at www.rmumc.net. May the Lord grant you the light of His truth as you journey through this day.